Hey friend, welcome to the Love Your Bible Podcast. Hey, in this episode, we're going to see you don't need a time machine to know your Father loves you. So I don't know if you've watched the Marvel series or not. So if you haven't, this might be a spoiler alert. So you might want to fast forward just a little bit. I'm not going to give a ton away, but we just finished Endgame. And so we've been having this you know, long marathon of trying to get through all of the Marvel movies. And Iron Man is one of the main characters. And through the whole series, uh, he, he's got some troubles. And a lot of it stems from uh, his dad. He's got some dad issues. Uh, his dad really didn't love him, didn't really show him that kind of growing up. So he didn't really feel um, the most paid attention to and loved by his father. And of course, it leads to some other things. And at the very end of the movie in Endgame, he has this amazing moment. He actually goes back in time and he gets to meet his dad um, when his dad finds out that he's he's going to be born. So this is Iron Man meeting his dad. So Tony Stark is meeting Mr. Stark right when Mr. Stark finds out that his wife is pregnant with little Tony. And in that beautiful moment, he basically says, you know, I don't even know the kid yet, but I already love him. And it's in that moment that Tony Stark, who is Iron Man, he gets a moment, he gets a glimpse into his dad's life and he gets to see, you know, my dad actually did love me, though I didn't really see it in real life. And so here we've got Father's Day coming up. So we're going to do a special little episode, kind of thing about Father's Day. And here's the good news. You don't need a time machine to know your father loves you. Now, now I don't know what your relationship is with your dad. You might have had a great dad like me. Um, Literally, he's the best dad in the whole world. And I'm so thankful that I've had him. Maybe you, you didn't have a great dad growing up. I don't know what your situation is, but here's what I do know. You have a Father in Heaven that loves you more than you could ever imagine. And when you think about loving the Bible, one of the things that makes us love the Bible is the Bible it is a it's a book that's authored by our good father. So when you read the Bible, you're reading it, you're reading a book from your father who absolutely loves you. So I hope that this episode will help you love your Bible more because you'll remember the Bible is written from a God who you get to call Father and who loves you more than you could ever imagine. So what I want to do is I want to read through the Lord's prayer. This is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. And in the Lord's prayer, what I want to do is I want to take it through the lens of thinking about God as our Father, because Jesus tells us to call God the creator of the whole universe, the creator of the cosmos, the creator of you. Jesus says, when you pray to him, say, Father. That's a pretty big statement. So I want to I do 10 things that the Lord's Prayer tells us about our Heavenly Father. And hopefully it's going to encourage you on Father's Day, no matter if you have a good dad or not so good of dad, or if your dad's already passed away, you're going to remember you have a good Father in Heaven. And because you have a good Father, it'll change the way you read your Bible, because you'll love it, because it's from your Father. So the first thing, the number one of 10 is this, God knows you. That's the first thing, your Father knows knows you. Notice what Jesus says. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now check out what Jesus just said. He says, 
that your father, so again, God, he's your father. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Now, in order to know what someone needs, you have to actually know them, right? Like if I'm going to give you something that you need, I have to know what you need. I have to know you. So because God knows what we need, it means he knows us. I think about Christmas time. Um, one of the neat things is grandparents and great grandparents will call me and Katie to ask what the kids want for Christmas. Now, why do the grandparents call us? Well, because we know best about what they need. Why do I know what my kids want most? Well, because I'm their dad. And actually, I know often more than they do. Like they think they want this thing that was on a commercial that I know is not going to make them happy five days from now. I know they actually want this other thing because I know who they are. I know their makeup. I know what they like. So I know my kids better than anyone and I know what they need more than anyone. And that's the same with God. He actually knows you and he knows what you need. So second, we see this. God is our father. I want that to really sink in, that God, the one who created you and the cosmos, he is your father. Notice this in verse 9, pray then like this, our father. So Jesus is inviting us to pray, not just father, but our father. So it's not just that God is our father, it's you are connected to a family God is a dad who has many children, and you're part of that epic family of God, and you get to say, along with the saints, our Father. And because he's Father, he loves us. Jesus would say in other places to call him Abba, Father, to say Dad, Father, that endearing term that we get to call the the King of the universe. We get to call him Dad. We get to call him Father. Um, it's not like in Star Wars where you have to say supreme leader like to the Siths or it's not in like a country music song. You have to you're praying to the man upstairs. No, neither one of those are true. No, you're praying to God, your father. He's father. You get to call him father. So rejoice in that. Next, we see that our father is great. Notice what Jesus says. Pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So God, our Father, he's in heaven. He's ruler. He's over everything. He is the one in charge of everything. And what do we pray? Hallowed be your name. Think about that word hallowed. Think about hallowed ground, right? Set apart, great, something to be adored and exalted. That's who God is. He's, he's great. It, it's that idea of, you know, your father can beat up anybody's father, right? Like, you know, that, uh, that conversation when you're a kid, like my dad can beat up your dad. Well, guess what? Your dad really can't beat up any dad. He's, he's the ruler of the cosmos. He's in heaven. He's great. Hallowed be his name. He's in charge of all things. And you get to call him father when you pray. And when you read your Bible, you're reading a book from your father who loves you. Next, we see our father rules. Verse 10 says this, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're supposed to pray, God our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not not my will, not your will, but God's will, right? We're praying our Father's will. We are praying heaven down. We're saying we want the earth to be like it is in heaven. Well, how are we going to know what heaven's like so that we can make the earth like that? Well, we do it by the Bible. We know what heaven is like because we read our Bibles. Our connection to God in heaven is through his word and his spirit. So our father rules. 
He's in heaven. And we're praying that his kingdom and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next we see our Father provides. Notice what it says in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Think about that. Your Father provides for you. And not just the big things. He provides the little mundane everyday things. Give us this day our daily bread. Those daily things that you need, your Father is providing those things for you. He meets your needs. In verse 12, we see that our Father forgives. So as we pray, we say this, and forgive us our debts. Now that's an amazing thing to think about, that we get to pray to God to forgive us our debts, our wrongs, that that we get forgiveness because of God's love and mercy. Now, it's easy for me as a dad to forgive the sins of my sons and my little daughter. Well, my daughter doesn't sin because she's perfect. She's EVK. She's great. But my, my boys, uh, they'll get you know a little ruckus sometime. But it's easy for me to forgive them because when they sin, I empathize. I've done the same thing. I'm just like them. I do those things too. But it's much harder for God to forgive because God has no sin and he's perfect. He's holy. So when God forgives us, He puts the cosmos in danger because when he says, I forgive you, I'm not going to hold you accountable. You're not going to die for your sins. That's against his law. It's against his decree. So the cosmos is in danger of imploding when God forgives someone because it seems unjust, but we know it's not unjust. And the reason is because of the cross that when God forgives us our debt, he puts the payment on his son Jesus. Jesus dies for our debt so that God can forgive us. In other words, God's son dies so that you and I, as sons and daughters, can be forgiven. It is his goodness that forgives us. But not only does he forgive us, we next see our Father influences us. So we pray and forgive us our debt. And then the next line says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So because we've been forgiven, our Father's forgiveness influences us and we become forgivers. Those who are forgiven, forgive. In other words, since God has done the very hard thing, and that is forgive us, endangering the cosmos because of the cross is possible, we can surely do the easy thing, forgive people whom we are much like. We also sin, so we can extend forgiveness because... Well, we're not the righteous judge, right? So we forgive as we have been forgiven. Next, we see our Father protects. Verse 13 says, and lead us not into temptation. So not only is it forgiven influence, but he protects us. Our Father knows the dangers of head and helps us navigate around them. You know, when I started college, I almost joined a fraternity. Now, I'm not bashing fraternities. For some of you, you might have joined a fraternity sword and it was a great thing. For me, it would have been a train wreck because I was not a Christian at the time. So I know that if I would have joined a fraternity, my life would have been completely different. I would have got sucked up into all of the worst things that a fraternity can afford a young man who's 19. Um, So I did not need to do that, but I didn't have enough sense to know I didn't need to do that. So my dad penned a two-page letter to me imploring me not to join a fraternity, not to rush. And and I'll be honest, that letter was kind of the thing that turned me, the thing that that kept me from joining this fraternity. Now, now again, there's people who join fraternities, you're Christians who've done great things or became Christian fraternities. That would not have been me. I would have train wrecked my life. 
but my father looked out for me. He protected me. And I can look at that moment and see a pivot in my life because it was that moment that then led to a few other decisions that ultimately led me to Christ. So I praise God for my earthly father, but ultimately my heavenly father who was looking out for me through my father and protecting me. And then last, we're going to see that our father rescues. Our Father rescues in the last line of the Lord's Prayer, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. So even when we do run, even though God protects us and forgives us, when we do run, God rescues us. I'm drawn to that scene of the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm reading it to my little girl at night. So it's vivid in my mind, that stone table moment. And so you have Edmund. If you haven't watched or read the Chronicles of Narnia, I encourage you to read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But Edmund, he eats the Turkish delight. He joins with the White Witch. He commits a great sin. And now the White Witch has claim on his life. And the White Witch comes to take him as her own. But Aslan walks into the tent, makes a deal, and then walks out. And no one knows what's happened. And then, of course, Lucy and Susan follow the lion to the stone table. And they see what happens. Aslan has traded his life for Edmund's. That Aslan gets on the stone table and the White Witch takes his life instead of Edmund. And here we see our father rescues, but, but God's rescue, it wasn't a payment to Satan. No, it was a, it was a payment of his son to himself. It was our sin was egregious towards him as our heavenly father, but to rescue us, he sent his own son to die on a cross to pay our penalty so that we might live. That is the good news. That is the rescue of God. So not only, did, not only did your Heavenly Father protect you, but He also rescues you. That is the good news of the gospel. See, here's the truth. Iron Man, he's a troubled soul, and much of it stems from his father, cold, distant, and hard. In the end game, he got to see, you know, his dad actually loved him. But here's the good news for you. You don't need a time machine to go back in time to spend a moment with your dad to see, hey, you know what? I think my dad actually loves me. No, instead, you know what you can do? You can go read your Bible. That is the good news. You don't need a time machine. You just need a Bible. You need to open your Bible and read the Bible. And what you'll see is your your heavenly father saying to you, he loves you, but he doesn't just say it. He shows it through the death of his son. You should love your Bible because you have a God who loves you, a father who loves you. And that as your father, he has written his word to you so that you might know him and know that you're his son and you are loved. So on this father's day, No matter how your dad loved you or didn't love you, know that you have a heavenly father who loves you more than you could imagine. So this Sunday, go love your father well, but know you have a heavenly father who loves you more than you could imagine. And I pray that knowing that, it'll cause you to love your Bible just a little bit more. So now go and love your Bible.